Hi everyone, and welcome to the December 2021 edition of Aon's Retirement Market Update podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Ricky Marsh, and I'm recording this while scrambling to prepare for the absolute mountain of client meetings I've got coming up in the run-up to Christmas. I always used to have lots of client meetings in November, but they all seem to have been shifted into December this year. Is that part of a wider trend, or is it just me? Answers on a postcard. This month's guests are Matthew Ahrens and Andy Greaves, who will be telling us all about the new Aon UK DC Pension Tracker. Hopefully I've got the name right, otherwise they'll be very upset with me. But before that, here's your not very festive roundup of the latest pensions news. You may recall that the Pension Schemes Act 2021 introduced new provisions that would require trustees to block transfer requests where certain conditions aren't met. These were designed to combat pension scams. Well, the DWP's now published the final regulations. These include a few amendments to address concerns raised as part of their consultation earlier in the year, and the pensions regulator has also issued some guidance to go with this. If a member's transferring to a public service scheme, an authorised master trust, or an authorised collective DC scheme, the requirements are pretty straightforward and the transfer will generally be allowed to proceed. Other cases, however, will involve more work. Transfers to occupational schemes need evidence of an employment link, while overseas transfers need a residency link. There are also new scam risk indicators in the form of red and amber flags. Any transfers that raise a red flag won't be allowed to proceed, while cases with an amber flag would only be allowed to go ahead if the member can prove they've taken scam-specific guidance from the Money and Pensions Service. The new regulations came into force on the 30th of November, so trustees and scheme administrators should consider how to incorporate the new checks into their transfer process as soon as possible. The Financial Conduct Authority has published a policy statement confirming the creation of a long-term asset fund regime in order to help support investment in assets like infrastructure and private equity. This is mostly aimed at DC schemes, which may have a longer time horizon or a greater risk appetite than most DB schemes. And the FCA have said that investment in these areas has the potential to generate better returns and support the economic recovery from COVID-19. Now, a lot of that may sound quite familiar from the government's recent calls for an investment big bang. The PLSA has also published a new Made Simple guide on the new regime. This aims to give trustees a tool to help discussions with investment managers and members, and it includes case studies of accessing private markets via a long-term asset fund. TPRs confirm that they're going to ask the trustees of some DB schemes to provide more information on their asset allocation. This additional data will be gathered through the usual annual scheme return, and it's designed to help TPR more accurately assess the level of investment risk in schemes, as well as feeding into the calculation of PPF levies. Schemes will now be split into three bands depending on the size of their PPF Section 179 liabilities. So the smallest schemes, with liabilities of up to £30 million, will only see very minor changes compared to the current requirements. And the largest schemes, with liabilities of over £1.5 billion, already have to submit their own bespoke stress test calculations, so they probably won't see much difference either. The biggest change will be for schemes in the middle, who will now be asked to provide more detailed breakdowns of their bond and equity allocations, as well as having a new separate category for absolute return funds. You've all got a bit of time to prepare for this, as the new requirements won't apply until 2023. TPR has completed its first initial assessment of a DB Superfund. Clara now appears on TPR's list, having been assessed against criteria including having good governance, being run by fit and proper people, and being backed by adequate capital. 
This is a key milestone and effectively it confirms that TPR is comfortable that Clara has met the expectations set out in its June 2020 guidance. TPR's focus will now turn to assessing the specifics of the first transactions, which could be completed in early 2022. TPR hasn't yet completed its assessment of the Pension Superfund, which is the other known DB Superfund, but we'll let you know as and when there's any further progress on this. The Pensions Ombudsman has published a guidance note outlining its views on best practice for communicating with pension scheme members. This suggests some simple steps that can be taken to resolve pension disputes and complaints without the need for the Ombudsman to be involved. This guidance note has been added to their website as part of a page entitled How to Avoid the Ombudsman. And this also includes links to a number of useful case studies on issues like ill health pensions, unpaid pension contributions and death benefits. And finally, Aon's latest global risk survey is out now. This covers investment, liability and operational risks for DB pension schemes. And we've been carrying the survey out every two years for over a decade, so it gives some really great insight into how the pensions landscape has developed over that time. If you've ever wondered what other DB schemes are doing, this is the place to find out. Some of the key headlines from this year include an increase in the number of schemes targeting buyout as their long-term objective, with this overtaking self-sufficiency for the first time, a clear trend towards increased focus on ESG factors, with 92% of schemes considering ESG and 20% changing their investments as a direct result. We've also seen the proportion of schemes impacted by a cybersecurity incident more than doubling since the last survey. I'll include a link to our survey microsite in the show notes. The site includes a copy of the full survey report and a link to our new Desert Island Risks podcast series, where Polly Cripps digs into the results in more detail with a range of special guests. I've told you we don't do puns on this podcast, but if that title's anything to go by, I'm guessing Polly has different ideas. And if you'd like more information on this or any of this month's other news stories, I'll include contact details at the end. I've mentioned before on the podcast that while I work with the trustees of DB schemes, my own pension provision is 100% DC. So I have a bit of a vested interest in DC issues, even if it's not really part of my day job. This means I was very interested to see news of Aon's new UK DC pension tracker. Matthew Ahrens and Andy Greaves have been doing most of the work on this, so I've asked them to come in for the customary podcast grilling. Matthew, welcome back for a record fourth appearance. Hi there, Ricky. Just wanted to kick things off by asking the most obvious question, which is, what is the Aon UK DC pension tracker? Well, what we're interested in here, Ricky, really is measuring the health of DC pension scheme members' savings over a period of time and what kind of lifestyle DC savers can expect in retirement. So what we're doing is measuring on a quarterly basis the expected retirement incomes of four sample measures and comparing them against the retirement living standards published by the PLSA and Loughborough University. And what we're doing is comparing those outcomes quarter over a quarter to build up trend information and see how the output of the tracker varies by quarter. And we'll take all our sums and condense them into a single figure so that you get a score for each of those four sample members as as well as an aggregate across all four of them in order to see how outcomes will have changed quarter to quarter. And I know you've both put a lot of effort into this over the last year or more, but why did you come up with it in the first place? Well, one thing we were conscious of, Ricky, is that there are an awful large number of 
DB pension scheme trackers already looking at the funding position of DB pension schemes. But in all honesty, from the members' perspective, the health of the DB pension scheme is is largely uh, opaque and not directly relevant to the level of their benefits. Very different in DC land, where the fortunes of the investments in the DC fund directly affect members' incomes. And there was nothing measuring that that we were aware of. So we thought that this is something that actually did need researching and assessing and then sharing with the wider population so that we can see how DC outcomes might vary quarter to quarter for for all of us savers in DC pensions. And yes, to Matthew's point, as DC will affect each individual, it's, it's quite complicated to measure and keep an eye on and understand how, how that performance is going to be affected over the year. So hopefully this tracker can help members to understand the, the factors that are influencing their DC performance and what sort of outcome they might be looking for in retirement. Um, as we all know, DC is quite complicated. You can't just look at the past investment performance and think, oh, great, my assets have done well. So I'm, I'm going to be much better off in retirement. If you've got another 30 years to retirement, there's still a long way to go before you can actually see what you're going to get. And there's a really good point Andy makes there. So what we're trying to do is encapsulate all of those different factors, both past investment performance and future expectations, and bring that all together in this single figure format so that it's easier to understand exactly whether it is looking like DC outcomes are better than the previous quarter or indeed not so good as the previous quarter. Okay, Andy, you get the pleasure of the horrible technical question. Uh, how does the Aon UK DC pension tracker actually work? Again, it's a very good question. So what we've tried to do, we've tried to keep it relatively simple, just so it, it does track the, the market and works for a, a broad range of, of members. So we've got we've taken four sample members, uh, which we've based on average earnings uh, and estimated pot sizes, and. Each quarter will calculate the expected retirement income that those members might get if they went through income drawdown. And then we've, we've put that in real terms, so it, it makes sense to members in, in current price terms, added on the value of the state pension that we expect those members might get and, and allowed for the amount of tax they might pay. And then we've just compared those retirement figures to the retirement living standards to see whether they're achieving a comfortable standard of living or retirement or moderate or, or, or even even the minimum, um, and then we've tried to convert that into an indexed figure, as Matthew said, just just to give a single figure that you can easily look at and say, right, this is better or worse than than last quarter. So I think on average, member outcomes are going to be better or worse, just through a single figure. I think it's important just to chip in there that there are a number of factors that go into the overall score, including things like the level of the state pension, because that will be a part of everyone's retirement income, uh, tax bans uh, and levels of taxation, as well as changes to the living standards themselves. All of those things go into the uh, score assessment in the tracker. So if this is something that's being updated on a quarterly basis, what's it showing this quarter? It's a very pertinent question, Ricky, because this quarter's scores have actually fallen back from prior quarter. Now, there are a number of factors in that, but one of the biggest factors that uh, affected scores was 
the PLSA's retirement living standards themselves. And why do I say that? Well, the PLSA updated their retirement living standard figures and effectively made it that bit harder to reach each of the minimum moderate and comfortable standards of living. Now, partly that was just inflationary factors, but another part of it also was just the way the uh, standards are constructed. And they took into account a new basket of different things that pensioners will expect to be able to buy in retirement at each of the three living standards levels. And in effect, it just made it a tougher hurdle to pass each of the minimum moderate and comfortable living standards. So all of those things, just simply you need more money to meet any of those three standards. And therefore, overall, that meant our DC savers were a little bit less well off in retirement under our, our projections. On top of that as well, there's there's been changes to, I guess, the investment markets over the quarter and also our expectations of future growth. So one of the other factors that impacted on members' expected living standards was a reducing the expected growth return assumption. Um, so particularly for for younger members, this reduced the value of their DC savings at retirement. So And therefore, that, that converts into a lower retirement income. To a certain degree, this was offset by quite strong investment performance over the quarter, particularly for older members and those with larger pots. And I think that the thing that this shows is that different factors affect different DC savers. Younger members are more affected by future return assumptions, whereas older members are more impacted by the actual return on their current savings. So it's really interesting to see how these different factors affect the different members over each quarter. And just to wrap things up, what's coming next on this? Well, as we've been saying, Ricky, we'll be releasing our tracker outcomes every quarter. So look out for the next update of the Aon UK DC pension tracker figures in late January or early February 2022. Great. Well, thanks to both of you for joining us today. And I'm sure this is something I'll be checking out. Thanks, Ricky. Thanks, Ricky. And if you're wondering where you can find the Aon UK DC pension tracker, join the club. At the time of recording, I'm still waiting for a link, but once it arrives, I'll make sure we add it to the show notes. Right, that's everything for today and indeed for this year. Thanks again to my guests, Andy Greaves and Matthew Ahrens, and thanks to you for listening. I'm off to get ready for my first trip back to the cheese grater in nearly two years. I hope you have a great Christmas and New Year, and I'll be back with our next episode in two months' time. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget you can subscribe to the series through all the usual places, including the Apple Podcasts app and Spotify. If you'd like more information on our retirement solutions or you want to feature in a future podcast, you can contact me on ricky.marsh at aon.com. Otherwise, please visit our website or email talktous at aon.com.